Welcome to the Mastering the Game of Life podcast. In this podcast, there'll be insights around three key areas to mastering the game of life. Purpose, prosperity, philanthropy. Your host, Paul Lowe, the third sector mentor, is the founder of Hearts Global CIC, which along with many other of his charitable commitments, has been responsible for positively impacting thousands of people's lives, particularly young people from disadvantaged communities. Author of Mastering the Game of Life, From Pain to Purpose, and Speaking from Our Hearts books. Introducing your host, Paul Lowe. A warm welcome everyone as ever to this podcast and um, those that have listened to previous podcasts will know that the theme so far has been around life's purpose and what I intend to do with this one I've got a very special guest Mr Bill Burridge all the way from South Africa would you believe I was going to say sunny South Africa but it's currently the winter there and uh, Bill is going to give us insights um, from a very high level um, about life's purpose and when i say a a high level i mean from a training perspective which is basically what bill does uh with the new insights program so we'll come to i'll I'll formally introduce bill in a moment but what i want to do with this um this 10th episode which i think probably the most appropriate way to sum it up um is i have a purpose but what next and certainly as Bill and I converse over the next uh, few minutes or, or hour or whatever that, however that unfolds, um, the, the, the follow-on question will present itself because, as I say, the, the first uh, nine episodes have been underpinned by purpose and I think it's time to, to kind of move things on a little bit and, uh, and answer that question, what next? So... Without further ado, if I can introduce uh, Bill. So Bill owns and runs New Insights, a life coach training organization with companies and operations in both the UK and South Africa. He currently lives in Cape Town with his wife and daughter, whilst his son is working in London. So Bill, is there anything you want to uh, elaborate on that by way of an introduction? Would you like to introduce yourself further to the, to the audience? Hi, Paul. Um, no, thank you. That was a great introduction, I think, nice and short and sweet. I did want to say, though, um, I, I, I'm very uh, pleased that you think I'm going to deliver something at a high level. <laughs> I think uh, I'm, I'm not, not quite so sure about that. I'm probably going to try and keep things simple. But um, any, anyway, there we go. I'm looking forward to talking, talking with you and seeing how the discussion unfolds. And that's an interesting point, uh, Bill, is it not, that um, humility is, is a key part of what we do as, as life coaches. So uh, that's, um, you know, that, that kind of response is, 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 is what we come to expect as a generalization, I believe, from, from people involved in this profession. Uh, you, you know, Paul, it, it, it reminds me just yesterday, I was talking to my daughter, now she's a teacher and um, she happens to be doing extra lessons here in, in South Africa. The official language is English, but we have 11 official languages, actually. And uh, the two probably most widely spoken are English and Afrikaans. And she goes to Afrikaans extra lessons because she was brought up in the UK and uh, never really got educated in Afrikaans. So now being a teacher, she has to teach in that language. So she's taking extra lessons. And she just happened to be sitting with the extra lesson teacher last night. 
And the teacher, without, without prompting or asking what her parents did, said to Bianca, oh, I bumped into somebody who calls themselves a life coach today. She said, imagine being as arrogant as to think that you could coach somebody in life. <laughs> My daughter fortunately kept her mouth shut, didn't say anything about what her parents do. But um, there we go. I thought that was quite funny. Yeah, and that that's an interesting insight, Bill, isn't it? To um, you know, to new people that you know certainly when they when they first broach the subject and all the misconceptions that, and I'm going to you know dramatically generalise it. Oh, you will fix my life for me, will you? <laughs> exactly, exactly, and it's uh, far from that, of course. Yeah, um, but I, but I think um, isn't isn't that just. Uh, a symptom of, of, of the life we lead now, I think we, we jump to judgments about people, about careers, about situations without really being well informed very often. I agree with that, Bill. And I think from my own um, subjective, dare I say, perception of what, what's actually happening in today's society, I think a lot of the old values that we was brought up with have kind of been lost and it's more now around this kind of 100 mile an hour lifestyle, you know, live now, pay later. And as I say, that traditional stuff's kind of gone by the wayside a little bit. And so people expect that instant gratification, that, uh, you know, that buy now, pay later mentality, even with, with emotions. It's a kind of become a throwaway society that we live in. Yes, indeed. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I like to call it the 24-hour on cycle. There, there is no downtime anymore. This is, this is a real problem. And, and there's huge competition for, for, for everything, or, or seemingly there's competition for everything. And people feel that they're in a rat race in, in competition for resources, in competition for status, in competition for decent life, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever it might be. Um, quite sad, really. And I think, Bill, within that is we lose the one person, and I totally concur with what you've just said, by the way. Within that, we lose the one key person, ourselves. Yes. Because we do become embroiled in, I think the common term is the rat race. And as, as part of that, I think certainly what I've learned to do over the years is is step back and say, no, I don't want to play that game because my life is about me. And and I often have this conversation, particularly when I'm talking to, to people in general and clients specifically about being what the outside world might perceive as being selfish. And I use that bill in the context to say my life's purpose is the number one reason I live. And that's above my kids. That's above my family. And the simple rationale for that is without me being the very, very, very best I can be, I'm no good to you as a father, as a husband, as a brother, whatever the dynamic is. I need to invest in me first. My cup needs to be full before I can offer it for you to metaphorically drink out of. And I think that's certainly from my own perspective, Bill, a very, very painful lesson I've had to learn over the years. Yeah, Paul, exactly. Um, I, I think that symptomatic of the world we live in is that people don't know what their purpose is. Now, I'm, I haven't been privy to the previous interviews that you've had, and I'm sure you covered the topic in, in some depth, but we, we are still on that tonight. So I guess uh, 
I guess we can continue with that discussion a little bit. Um, I, I think that without an understanding of what your purpose is, you tend to be driven by your needs. Now, your needs in, in today's world relate to the pressures to perform that society places on you. And when you are at the behest of society or the external world, trying to keep up with expectations, what people expect of you, what employers expect of you, what spouses expect of you, what your kids expect of you, you do, as you say, lose complete track of what your inner voice is saying to you about what you want and where you want to go. So you become um, a bit of a puppet on a string, actually, dancing to the tune of the outside world rather than being driven by your own inner voice and ultimately your life purpose, as you so succinctly put it. And uh, on that note, Bill, I mean, it might be worth, um, you alluded to a couple of minutes ago about, you know, previous episodes. So um, I, I interviewed a gentleman called Jim Britt uh, on a previous episode, and Jim Britt was, the, the co amongst other things, the coach and the mentor to Tony Robbins for five years. He was Jim Rohn's business partner for 10 years an absolute industry giant by any description. And I asked Jim the same question because it's a question I get asked daily by people around this. Well, what is purpose? And, you know, give me my purpose. Well, I can't give you your purpose. And even if I had a strong inclination, what I thought I felt it might be, it's not my journey. It's not my life. It's yours. And that's, that's for you to discover with a little help from your friends. So when I asked, uh, put this kind of uh, situation to Jim, um, his and I, I've actually worked with Jim before as um, as as a mentee, um, and his answer was I thought was brilliant in the extreme, and it was very simply this: your purpose is what you are doing now. That is it. So when we get embroiled upon these big visions, and there's nothing wrong with having a vision because obviously it's a it's a pathway to what might unfold in the future. And I stress the world might, but it's, it's more about the here and now. And I think so many of us, Bill, um, and when I say so many of us, I, I, I use that term to, to describe the world in general. Um, we get locked into this confusion, as you said, that external pressure and what, what I've got to do tomorrow and, and all those mistakes I made in the past. And it's irrelevant. It's totally, totally irrelevant. But this is the mind, isn't it? Playing tricks and, and locking us into this ego-driven way of thinking. Yeah, but you've got to think about tomorrow and you've got to do this and you've got to do that. Well, what about me? What Who's listening to me now in the here and now? What about my, and you use the right word for me, but what about my needs now? So I thought Jim's description of the, the here and now, because that's you've only got that moment and another moment and another moment and another moment leads to, to life, to history. But I thought it was very good how he just kind of distilled it down to one almost crystallized view of, you know, forget the other stuff because that's all it is. It's just stuff. But we get locked into that and we get distracted. Uh, and I think the common uh, cliche these days, Bill, is it not? Life gets in the way. <laughs> it 
exactly. <laughs> it's rather ironic, isn't it? Because many, many of us think that is, that is life. And, and, well, to a great many of us, that really is life. And yet it's not fulfilling. It's frustrating. Uh, it's exhausting. Um, and if we spend too many years doing it, we wake up one day and think, well, what was that all about? And, and that's sad, I think. Um, and, and therefore, I think what you're doing, Paul, with your three pillars and with your podcasts and all the, all the great people you've been interviewing is, is bringing this to the fore as, as a very important mission that we need to go on to bring uh, people into connection with their life purpose. In fact, um, you know that there are many, many different um, ways in which you can you can talk about life coaching. I've spoken to a, a lot of people in life coaching who seem to view it as a way in which to uh, resolve issues or move forward towards better things, and and that's part of it, of course, but. In, in my company, in New Insights, our life coach training, we put life purpose really at the center of everything. Now, we don't introduce life purpose at the beginning. Uh, we, we run a what we call a transformational program of coaching over a period of six or seven months. But ultimately, it leads up to, to find your life purpose because that's what we believe is, is critical if you want to have a fulfilling, joyful uh, life going forward. And um, of course, most people who come into life coaching for the first time really aren't, they're not ready for that. They're not ready to talk about a heady discussion about life purpose, probably don't really understand what it is, if truth be told. And uh, it's not something they can relate to because of the external pressures that they face on a day-to-day -day basis. So we tend to start by um, setting goals and objectives and using that, if you like, as something of a surrogate for life purpose. Uh, and, and when people start becoming goal-focused and start working towards goals and objectives um, and, and taking the actions they need to achieve those, they start to develop in a way, they develop their self-awareness and they develop their inner power in a way that they start to question, is this what I really want? And what's happening is their inner beings or inner voices are leading them along a track to say, this is a good idea that you put forth this goal and that you're trying to achieve it. But is it really deep down what you want? And they start to introspect about what they want. And we get to a point in the program where we say, right, you're now ready to discover your life purpose if you don't already know what it is. And sometimes it can be quite emotional. You know, we've had people really break down in tears because they're so happy about finding their life purpose and ultimately what they want. Yes. I, and, um, go on, Bill. Sorry. Sorry. I, I had a, um, you know, I, I, there's a wonderful quote that, uh, that I came across that I thought I might just mention. Um, it's, it's by a gentleman called Amit Ray. And I didn't really know who Amit Ray was until I looked him up on Google. That's what we do nowadays, isn't it? <laughs> uh, uh, he's an author and I think also a, a sort of a bit of a spiritual um, coach. Uh, he said the following, it doesn't matter how long you're spending on the earth, how much money you've gathered or how much attention you have received. It's the amount of positive vibration you have radiated in life that really matters. Um, I think that's wonderful. Uh, 
ultimately, if you find your life purpose and you start doing what it is you're on, on this earth to do, you begin to radiate, you know, you radiate uh, positivity, you radiate great, great vibes towards other people, and you start to contribute to the um, forward momentum, the growth and evolution of, of, of the earth and the planet and the universe. Uh, getting a little philosophical right now, but, 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 but ultimately that's what it's about, I believe. And that getting philosophical, Bill, for me is an interesting point because certainly when I reflect upon my own journey of coming from a, uh, how can I put this, a very, very stark upbringing, and I'm being diplomatic and polite there, um, darkness, addiction, violence, very, very desperate days, or should I say very desperate decades. So people say, people that have known me a long time, Bill, and I think this gives it some real context, and I certainly don't want this to be about me, but I use myself as an example. Oh, Paul, you've gone soft these days. Right, have I? Okay, why have I gone soft? Oh, you're not that rough, tough guy that you used to be. And my response, Bill, is very Thank heavens. I am so grateful for that. Well, why? Because if I have a choice, and I did have a choice, it was around carrying on in those dark, desperate days, or actually, there's got to be something better. There's got to be another way. And that leverage and I will call it inspiration, not motivation, of wanting to change, needing to change, was very, very powerful. So the philosophy, as you call it, Bill, I think is all important. And certainly one of the the tricks, if you like, if that's the right word, when I'm coaching, depending, you know, where if somebody's really entrenched in that kind of rigid, um, what's that? that um, real energy that um, I think rigid is the right word actually uh, defensive energy that I'm not no 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 I'm not going to and I, I've got a simple trick um, and as a generalisation females are not too bad with it but guys can be quite <laughs> challenging and, and and it's this so it's it's based around self love and, and more importantly self forgiveness in these early stages so it's Okay, guys, and I will say guys, just to give it some context, the next time you're looking in that mirror and having a shave, I want you to tell that person in the mirror how much you love that person, how much you forgive that person, and you know what else I'd like you to do? I'd like you to kiss that mirror and embrace that person. <laughs> That's lovely. <laughs> and, you, uh, you know, I'll leave it to, to people's imagination <laughs> around what kind of initial reactions I get on that. Um, just let's, let's, let's box it off by saying unfavorable. <laughs> yeah. But what's interesting, Bill, on that, and th this method in the madness, what's interesting in that is I'll say, okay, so when we touch base next week, I would like somebody close to you to be, certainly for the first couple of minutes, in on the session. And I want to talk to them. And, and well, why? It doesn't matter why. You know, are you going to commit to that or aren't you? And kind of reluctantly, yes, okay. So, and this has happened now a few times. So what happens is, you know, a week later or whenever we've rescheduled for, it's like, okay, uh, Fred, Joe, Bill, whatever. Um, how have your action points gone? And, you know, how's you, you know, you know, the normal kind of um, ice breaking stuff. 
good, bad, indifferent, whatever. Okay. So how did you go on with the exercise? And then there's usually a... Sorry, I can't tell you. How did you go on with the exercise? Yes, it was, it was okay. I did it. Okay. And can you remember that I asked you to bring somebody close to you within uh, your family, you know, a partner, whatever, uh, in the room to be privy to this conversation? Silence. Silence. <laughs> Hello, are you still there? Are you still there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm here. Okay. So, um, so, so did you do that then? Did you do that? Yeah, yeah, I did that. Okay. So can, can I speak to, you know, who are you going to introduce me to then? You know, say it could be uh, the wife, the girlfriend, the daughter, the mother, whatever, the sister, um, um, or, or, you know, or, or whoever. And I'll talk and I'll say, okay, yeah. How how's things been this week? And, um, you know, various responses on that. So, uh, but that's not really why I'm doing it, Bill. The reason I'm doing it is, so I said, okay, can you put me back on to, let's say Bill, can you put me back on to Bill, please? And, uh, okay, Bill, so um, how did you get on with that particular exercise of looking in the mirror? Yeah, I did, yeah. Sorry, I can't hear you. Bill, how did you get on with that exercise? Um yeah, yeah, I, I did it. You did what, Bill? Bill, I can't... Can you explain to me what you did, please? Well, you know what I did. Um, no, 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 no. Let's be very, very clear. For the benefit of the witness, can you please clarify what happened? All right, then. I kissed the mirror. Are you happy now? <laughs> the method the method in the madness on that bill is it is about that softening that you know those defensive walls that we tend to put up because we are i think historically born survivors and you know we're very frightened of what we don't know very frightened so we stick with the tried and tested and even if it's that's giving us pain well you know better the devil you know isn't it because of you know i don't want no force stiff upper lip just get on with it and uh, you know there's certain things we don't talk about and by the way big boys don't cry and they certainly don't kiss mirrors well okay maybe if you could change things and i want to come to change in a moment bill if you could change things probably the the pain or the suffering that you've got in your life would also change because if you keep doing the same thing you're going to keep getting the same results so something needs to be different something needs to intervene and break that pattern and it's that creative well, I think, thinking I think that, um, coaching is an amazing intervention uh because it's exactly what it does it it, it creates an intervention which starts a process of change and can result in very powerful uh, shifts and, and, and moves uh, in people. Uh, as you've been describing now, Paul, you, you're quite a demanding coach, clearly, but that, that's what coaches are there for. Um, I, I've experienced exactly what you've said in, in many respects. Uh, I think it's, if, if I'm to reflect on it, I think it's years of conditioning that we've experienced as people, you know, there's, there's a, there's a sort of a mindset as to what, um, the male persona should be like, what the female persona should be like. Mm. And we are taught to, uh, cloak ourselves with those personas, you know, 
Yeah. And it's very difficult, particularly, as you say, for men to do something that may be perceived as soft, as you put it. Now, here, I would like to refer back to my corporate life. I remember quite vividly, um, I've, always, I've, I've always, by the way, had it within me that, that I, I love to work with people, love to be involved in inspiring people. That, that ultimately is my purpose in life. But perhaps I didn't know it that clearly uh, while I was in corporate life. I just knew that I loved working uh, with teams of people and ideally being in a leadership role where I could help to motivate and inspire other people. But, um, you know, I used to hear regularly from top leadership uh, uh, about how they felt about soft skills as opposed to hard skills. And it was, um, let me say, becoming a little bit more fashionable to talk about soft skills But at the end of the day, it was the hard skills that really counted in business. And if you were somebody who was specifically interested in what they called soft skills, which is working with people, developing, inspiring, motivating people, well, that was was a good thing, but not as good as if you were a damn good accountant or a damn good IT specialist or a damn good lawyer or a damn good um, uh, powerful leader. and, and that's sad, I think, because ultimately it is the ability to relate to people, what corporates often call these soft skills, that is far more important than any of these hard skills. If you haven't got the soft skills right to begin with, you won't get the right hard skills in uh, in any case, or they'll be misdirected, or they won't be firing together properly, if you understand what I mean. Mm. So I think, yes, years of conditioning that have caused this problem and uh, it, 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 it's a fascinating one. Um, yeah, let's, let's leave it at that. And I think just to, um, if, I'm, if I may, Bill, challenge you on um, your perception of me being a challenging coach. I mean, that's just one strategy. And, I, and, and you know this, obviously, very well, that as coaches, we use different tools and, and how we might use one strategy with one person you know i suppose what i'm trying to say there's no one size fits all so that particular strategy might be okay for bill for argument's sake but would be inappropriate for somebody else um you know the whole intonation the body language the nonverbal, all the stuff that we that, that, that you know that we're taught as trainees and uh, as coaches it all comes into play doesn't it yeah, indeed. I mean, I mean, I think challenging is a critical skill that coaches need to have. But I think that the point you're alluding to is that there are different ways to challenge. Yes. And it depends very much on the, on the, the identity of the and, and nature of the person that you're working with. Yes, absolutely. I think uh, when, I, when I look back at my, uh, my time in football, that was very much to use the dressing room uh, analogy. Uh, Bill, some players will respond to an arm round the shoulder sensitive touchy-feely, others need a right rocket up the proverbial backside and an effective communicator will have that in their locker to be able to slide up and down that scale. But it's all about knowing the people because ultimately, and I've said this many, many times before, you can have the best business in the world, but ultimately it's down to a simple thing called relationships and how you treat people and how you communicate. And I, and I and that starts from within, doesn't it? You know, and for me, that is part of, in my case, my life's purpose. Mm. So I totally, I totally agree with your reflection there. 
And I would say that one of the key skills that we try to build or promote in, in life coaches is flexibility, the ability to treat people f- for their unique uniquenesses and, and to, uh, to, to try to get in their shoes and, and walk in their shoes, as, as it were. So, yes, you know, uh, a one-size-certainly-doesn't-fit-all approach when it comes to coaching. You have to really be very flexible depending on who you're dealing with. Yes. Um, I think at this point, Bill, I'd kind of like to um, – and I know that uh, Nancy Sims has been quoting. I, mean, I follow quite a lot of Nancy's work. I think she's an amazing poet. I, I, I love her stuff. And I think at this stage I'd just like to – to kind of put the trust in your purpose um, element into perspective, which is one of Nancy's poems, uh, and it kind of encapsulates what we've what we've been speaking about before we actually move on to from from purpose to the change process, Bill. So if you can just give me a moment, and I, and I will quote Nancy's "Trust in Your Purpose" poem because, as I say, I think it gives it some real context. Right. Everything belongs somewhere. The stars belong to the sky. The waves to the ocean the rain to the clouds, the wind to the trees, the mountains to the valleys. Everything has meaning and purpose. Some need to fill, something to accomplish on earth. So do you. You have meaning and purpose. You have a need to fill. You have something important to accomplish. Trust in your purpose. Although it may not be clear at times, trust that you have one. Your heart knows what it is. Listen to your heart. Listen to your God-given talent. Don't doubt it. Don't ignore it. Don't fight it. Don't dismiss it. Trust in your purpose and you won't go wrong in your life's work. It will feel right. It will make you happy. You will feel at home. You will feel at peace. You will feel complete fulfillment. You will be a success doing what you were born to do. Trust in your purpose. It will bless you and others in so many, many, many ways. Does that not sum up purpose, Bill, for each and every one of us, whether we know what it is or not? That's uh, that's very inspirational. I listened to that and uh, felt the hair on the back of my neck going up. Um, I love it. I, I, I thought, Paul, I, I know we, we're moving on in a little bit, but I, I just wondered whether it was worth me just adding a little bit to that um, I don't know to, to what extent you've gone into this, but we, we, as I said to you, the central part of the, the New Insights Life Coach training program is ultimately to help um, the client find their purpose. And we had a technique that we used to use to do that at the right point. Uh, and my wife worked with us. As you know, Jenny, my wife, is, is a coach too, and she worked with us for a long time and eventually did her own research and came up with her own process, which we've now ad- adopted because it works so well. Um, as, as Jenny will say, when you ask somebody what their purpose is, normally they'll, you'll get a bit of a blank stare at first, and it takes quite a lot of effort to, to get there. However, a shortcut is to ask somebody, what is your gift? Yeah. And very often people can relate to that quite easily. Um, so, oh, well, I have a bit of a gift for, you know, writing or speaking or uh, knitting or I'm very good at this or I'm very good at that or I have a bit of a talent in, uh, in, in, in working with kids or something like that. So people can recognize quite easily 
and simply what their, their gift or unique talent is. And very often um, that can uncover their purpose through finding out how, how do you apply, you know, when is it that you really love life when you are applying your gift? And somebody might say, well, you know, my gift is working with kids and I just absolutely love it when I'm teaching um, helping helping kids to understand something a bit better, perhaps, and that because that, that's that's their passion. And then you would go on to say, well, what is the power behind your passion? In other words, what sort of attributes do you bring bring to the fore when you are teaching kids? And a person might say, well, I've got a great deal of restraint, or I've got a great deal of patience, or um, I have a great deal of knowledge that I like to convey. And these are all part of the power that underpins that passion. And this is a very helpful process to go through this, uh, as I called it, this gift, passion, power uh, process that leads you into discovering exactly what your purpose is. I thought I'd throw that in. I don't know whether you've covered that before, but, I, but, but we find that an extremely helpful process to go through if you're wanting to get to grips with your purpose. Yeah, and I think the use of that word gift, Bill, um, it certainly opens up a whole new uh, portal, doesn't it? Rather than what may be perceived initially as this, well, I don't know what my purpose is. Um, you know, I think it's very easy as coaches that obviously do a lot of work around, see, uh, you know, continuous professional development and are constantly digging out, da down and asking those big why questions. And, and questioning and challenging self and others and, and that peer support. So I think relatively it becomes quite, I don't know if easy is the right word, but certainly easier than somebody that that's just in pain and suffering and they know there's got to be something better, but they just haven't got a clue where to start. And, you know, in that desperate, desperate phase, and I use the metaphor of being up at the, stuck at the bottom of a hole, shouting up and help me, help me, help me but don't really know how to get out. And and even when somebody comes along with a metaphoric rope and throws that down, come on, you can get out there. And it's like, do I really want to get out? Because, you know, as we've alluded to earlier on, <laughs> yes, indeed. you know, this certainty, we, we bring in one of the human needs then of certainty. You know, we're driven by pain or pleasure. And, you know, th there's all these decisions going off about, well, actually, oh, thinking about this, do I really want to change? Because... I don't know what I'm letting myself in for. At least I know I can handle this pain because I'm used to it. You know, it gives me certainty. Um, you know, we're going off at a tangent here, but, it, you know, there's all, all the six, well, most of the, the, the six human needs could be met by, by that. You know, the significance, the connection, the variety, the, the certainty, the connection. You know, it, it kind of ticks a lot of boxes there, Bill, doesn't it? So... You know, the whole thing is uh, it, it can be a minefield. But this is why I find that as coaches, this this heartfelt or heart-centered approach is absolutely vital. And that's not to say that tough love can't come into play. Of course it can. But I think there's, you know, in today's society, particularly when, when we look and when we hear people and, you know, we listen to the, their challenges along their journey, I think... Uh, you know, we go, we're kind of going back to the, to the top of the conversation around the way society, you know, it's so fast and furious and you, we just get on with it. And um, I think it is time to take a metaphoric breather now, collectively within the world and say, 
Mm. Is this what I really, really want? Because to quote your yeah. good lady, life is a gift. And, you know, we've got a relatively small window of opportunity on this, uh, you know, in this physical form to, you know, to live out that particular scene. Well, you know, c- coming back to your little analogy at the beginning where you said somebody down the bottom of a deep, dark hole gets thrown a rope to help them out uh, and then starts to wonder whether they really do want to get out. I found that fascinating because th- this is an issue we confront a lot in coaching, isn't it, Paul? Yes. Uh, we, we find that people are desperate to change, but when confronted with what is needed to make that change, they will very often uh, retreat back into their shell. The comfort of their shell, it's what they know rather than what they don't know. Um, and I would say this is primarily because people do not have purpose. They haven't, they haven't yet got to the point where they've understood what their purpose is, and therefore any change to the status quo is actually threatening. Because it, instead of thinking, well, if I get out of this dark hole, I can follow my life purpose, what they're thinking is if I get out of this dark hole, there may be something even worse out there. And therefore, let me stay where at least the devil, you know, the devil I know is better than the one I don't. Um, It's a real challenge in coaching. And I think it, it, uh, you know, it's something that we all come to terms with trying to move people past what I call a worst fears mentality. And all change starts with a confrontation of what would this mean? How bad could it be? Um, And it takes quite a mind shift to move people into what I call the opportunity mode, which is where people stop worrying about how bad things could be and what could terribly, what could happen or go wrong if they make this change into, well, what's the opportunity here? What could go right if I make this change? It's a big mind shift and, uh, and and difficult for a lot of people to make. Yeah. Uh, and just on that note, um, Bill, of, of climbing, you know, of being down that hole, I, I show a bit of vulnerability here and I share an experience here in as much that certainly within the early days of my coaching practice, um, I actually was the one that was regularly jumping down that hole. You know, let, let me take your pain. Let me, rather than standing at the top of that hole with a strong rope and, and loads of encouragement, you know, a small step, uh, come on, just another inch, you know, just another inch and reward yourself because you're getting closer to the top. Um, what I've done, Bill, over the years, uh, not now, but certainly in the past, was I've said, okay, I can see you're in so much pain. Let me jump down that hole. Let me throw this rope away. Let me get down this hole and comfort you with a metaphoric arm around the shoulder. Now, that doesn't take a lot of working out to see how counterproductive that is because you've now got two people stuck down a hole. <laughs> exactly. Um, so that I, I mentioned that, Bill, in the context of you know, maybe new new trainee coaches coming on board. Um, I'm certainly not in, unique in making that. Uh, I won't call it a mistake because it's not a mistake, but taking those early steps of learning. And um, yeah, when I was so idealistic, I actually thought I would change the world single-handedly. So yeah, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a bit wiser now. <laughs> yeah. 
So the change process then, Bill, let's dig down a bit on that. So one of the, I want to play a little bit of devil's advocate here, Bill, if, if I may. One of the comments that also comes back to me at least semi-regularly is, oh, it's okay for you. You've got it sorted now. You don't really understand. How can you understand what I'm going through? You've got all these fancy words and, and fancy this and fancy that, but you don't understand what's going off in my world. What What's your take upon that, Bill? I mean, okay, let me, let me take a backward step. Have you ever had that said to you? Oh yes, oh yes. Uh, it's 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 a common it's a common thing that that one hears. I think, um, and look to some extent, it is true. We well well, it, it's very true because we're all unique. We all have unique experiences. We all have unique backgrounds. We all have unique educations. We we have different parents. We go to different schools. Um, we experience different experiences. Not one of us is the same. Um, some of us cruise through life having a great time. Others have real trauma and heartbreak. Um, it's it's very different for every one of us. So it is it is true to an extent when somebody says it's okay for you. You don't understand how I feel. Um, but, but there is also an element of taking responsibility here. I think Paul. Yeah. Um, on the part of the individual who is experiencing pain or experiencing discomfort through their circumstances or whatever, um, the only way to move on ultimately is to accept responsibility for the situation you find yourself in. If you are trying to play the blame game or to justify your situation by saying, well, you know, it's okay for you. You don't have to, you don't understand. You can't help me because you're not in my situation. All you're really doing is, is, is moving your power to somebody else, giving it to somebody else and saying, well, you know, I need help. You help me out. Whereas the only person who can really help you is you. Now the coach's job is, is, is not to help so much as to empower, which is a bit different Helping uh, implies giving support, giving advice, throwing a lifeline to someone. Empowering is very different because it's, a, it's, it's, it's about helping that person to help themselves, to realize their own inner power and to realize uh, their own unique talents and gifts and abilities. So it's very, very different. So I think it's, it's, it, it is something that we hear commonly. Um, and it is something that has to be dealt with. And, and sometimes it requires what you just called a little bit of tough love uh, is one way of calling it. But it is a matter of reflecting back to the individual the importance of taking responsibility for all you do. Totally agree with that, Bill. Totally agree with that. Because when Robbins talks about um, the two inherent fears we have as human beings, bar none, whether we're aware of it or not, and there is scientific data to back this up the two biggest fears we have as uh, to varying degrees are one i will never be loved and two i will never be good enough and to varying degrees we've all got that in us and i think what we learn to do as we advance and as we transform we learn that these i think it's a question of awareness so long as we're aware of a potential scenario we can handle it better 
But I mean, if that's used right, that can actually be a very powerful lever. But also for me, Bill, it's around embracing yourself and accepting yourself that actually as a human being, you are vulnerable and you are not perfect. And beware of that pursuit of per perfection, by the way, because it's a misnomer. It doesn't exist. And it's, it's like chasing a rainbow. You're never, you're never going to catch it. So don't, you know, life is very short. Enjoy it. Embrace yourself in it and surround yourself with people that actually really do care. Because I think from my own experience, Bill, and based on a lot of self-sabotaging over the years, deservedness issues, limiting beliefs and all that, there was a multitude, there was an army of people that showed me love, but I, I wasn't worthy of it. Why? Because I, I thought I'd never be good enough because that what was drilled into me, you know, as a young kid. So that detracted me, I think, from fulfilling from an early age my purpose. I knew what my purpose was from a very, very early age. I just went about it completely wrong. <laughs> but some would say, well, you was actually fortunate, though, Paul, that you discovered your purpose. Well, yes, OK. Um, and I embrace that because, as you know, to go back to what Jim Britt says, we are where we are. There was only what there was in that moment, and it was perfect there and then. Might not have felt like it from a human perspective, Bill, but it's all part of the, uh, you know, the bigger picture that, that unfolds as, as as time goes by. Well, I love that comment. We are where we are. Um, you know, we often uh, contrast counselling and coaching, and um, of course, counselling is about very often going back to help people, uh, helping people go back into the past to deal with their past traumas and uh, issues that, that have really stopped them from progressing and obstructing them from moving forward. In coaching, we, we tend to take the approach that says, well, we are where we are. Your history does not have to define your future. Mm. So no matter how bad you think your history is or how good you might think it is, it doesn't necessarily define what your future is going to be. You are where you are right now. And we can help you work towards building a great future, no matter who you are or what your background is, where you come from. Um, and I think that goes back to that whole issue of responsibility. You made, the uh, you made the comment that Anthony Robbins said the two big fears are that we will never be loved or never be good enough. Once again, that I think is a reflection of the way in which we exist relative to the society that we're in. We look outside for validation. Yes. Uh, we look externally uh, for um, to, 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 to determine the level to which we are successful as people. And going back to your comments right at the beginning of this talk, Paul, that's the big mistake we make. We don't go within, we go without. If we can learn to harness our individual powers, learn to relate to our inner voices and inner beings rather than to relate to uh, what other people are telling us, we will derive the power that we need to survive and thrive, I think, in life, um, particularly if we, we, we find our life purpose in the, in the process. And the issue of whether other people love us or think we're good enough becomes irrelevant. It's whether we think we're good enough and whether we love ourselves is important because, frankly, um, is it important that my wife loves me or is it more important that I love her? Well, you know, from I can't control 
whether she loves me or not. I can only control whether I love her. So let me do what I can to the best of my ability. And, uh, and the likelihood is that it will reflect back on me either through her feelings or through the way I feel about myself. There's a lot of personal responsibility that comes in here. Yes, I, I totally, I mean, I think I've, that was summed up brilliantly. So just kind of uh, moving things on then, Bill, around the, uh, uh, the stepping stone, say, from, um, from session one around, uh, as you say, goal setting to the penultimate one, number 12, around life's purpose. Just give us a, a little taster, Bill, on if I was going to come to you um, as a trainee, Bill, you know, can you help my move, you know, give my, my life some de definition, some focus, help, you know, I've got so much in me, but I just don't know. What kind of stepping stones, Bill, would, would, would be involved in that program? Oh, right. Well, you, you're um, referring here to the New Insights Coaching yeah. Program. Yes. Oh, okay, great. Well, um, Paul, what I've done relatively recently, uh, we're about to come up with a new version of the training program. And uh, um, you're probably aware that coaches talk a lot about coaching models. And it used to get my goat a little bit. I went to uh, meetings with other coach training institutions, and they all be going off about models. What model do you use? And um, I, I used to say, well, we don't have a model. We have a process that we, we take people through. And they'd turn their noses up and say, well, you have to coach according to a model. And I'd say, why? What's, what's wrong with the process? Anyway, um, this, this got me a little bit. So I decided I'd go ahead and create a model. <laughs> uh, so I came up with model insights, uh, I-N-S-I-G-H-T-S, which talks a little bit to the process that we take people through in New Insights Life Coaching. The I starts for intention. And um, as you've just said, that, that's, that's the goal setting Part of it. We start by set, uh, getting the client to set goals, setting their intention. What is it they're trying to achieve? And very often, as I said earlier, what happens further down the track in the coaching program is they find that the goal that they've set in the beginning isn't really what they want to achieve at all. Um, but, but that's fine. We know that it's going to evolve and change. It's, it's just a means to an end in the beginning. So I for, for intention, and then we get to N, which is, stands for needs and balance. And this is where we take uh, the client through the issue of uh, the six human needs that you were talking about and how to create a life of balance. Most people are trying to balance their basic needs. You know, they get, they're, they're out of whack and they're constantly chasing one way or another in, in order to try and get their needs balanced. So we talk about the importance of that, getting those basic life needs balanced so that you can move on to the more important needs of uh, growth and contribution, uh, which define us once, you know, once, we, once we have purpose and once we have direction. Um, so that's the N. The, the S, I, and G really refer to uh, development of self-awareness. That's the S. Um, development of, of understanding of one's inner power, that's the I, and then uh, G stands for growth. So the, the, the sessions we take the client through um, in the middle part of the program uh, play to the SIG, and really all the work is all about 
looking at beliefs, looking at values and looking at the rules we have for the values that we feel and, and getting the client to understand how their beliefs developed, how they can actually change their beliefs. They're not held hostage to any of their beliefs. Um, and the same with their values as well. Um, and then we get into uh, um, a, a section on taking responsibility and on the importance of communication, understanding how you communicate with others and how others communicate with you and how you can improve that. So that all plays into that SIG um, acronym. And then, of course, we get to the H, and the H stands for higher purpose or life purpose, as we more commonly call it. And that's where we get into the exercise on, on uh, uh, uncovering, as I call it, your life purpose. I think, I think all of us innately know our life purpose, but consciously we're not aware of it. So that's why I, I talk about uncovering or excavating it. Um, and then uh, from, from life purpose, uh, we get into um, the H, uh, sorry, where was I, H, T, we get into the T, which is taking stock. Uh, once you have uncovered your life purpose, life changes, of course, quite quite drastically as you as you get excited about going forward in a purpose driven fashion. So it, it it requires a period of taking stock, and then the S finally starts for setting a new, uh, uh, stands for setting a new path, which is setting out on your on your new exciting uh, life with with uh, driven by life purpose and values. So that's a little bit of a snapshot of the, of the process that we would take people through in, in our transformation life coaching. Okay, but well, thank you for that share. I mean, what's interesting there is your reference to, to, to models. I mean, I've certainly, along my journey, developed a, a lot of models from the, the three L's, which is around learning, around loving, and around legacy. Um, and on a, on, a, on a different level, I wouldn't say a high level, but on a different level, the three Ps, which is around purpose, which is around prosperity, which is around philanthropy. But they're all much of a muchness. But what I've found, the further and further I'm getting into my journey, is it's a simple, it's a distillation that actually people just need to know that they're valued, that, that somebody cares for them and you know, when you strip everything right back, ultimately that that's what I'm finding more and more and more that as human beings, you know, we might be multimillionaires on the outside, but what's really going off on the inside? And I think in today, you know, we keep referring to today's pressured society. There is so much external pressure, but, you know, and I'm going to repeat this, as I say, what I made at the top of this conversation, that we forget the one person that truly, truly matters because we're too busy chasing external goals. And that one person is, is obviously ourselves. So I think it is time to quote John Major to go back to basics and have a look at, you know, how we can start to actually enjoy life and, and be happy. Um, for many for many years, Bill, I had a bit of a problem with that word happy. I, I felt it was over cliched. Well, you know, you've got to be happy in life. You've got to be happy in life. Well, what's happiness? But the reality is, I think as life goes forward and you get more, more and more complex understandings, the paradox is actually life is a very, 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 very simple game. And I think it's, <laughs> it's our duty, yeah. if duty is the right word, as coaches and as mentors to to help people along, to say, you know, listen, 
simple law of nature. It might be dark tonight, but tomorrow morning, mm, there will be light. And maybe around midday, there may be some sunshine as well. Well, you, you know, um, this issue of happiness, um, I, here, here's what I think for what it's worth. I, I think that we're here to contribute to the, I mean, this is a collective purpose, not an individual purpose, but we all, we all have individual purposes that feed into this. But the collective purpose of humanity is really to, uh, to help the planet, the universe evolve and expand. Um, and each of us has a little role to play in that. And I believe that if you find your purpose and you can carry out that purpose, the reward that you get from that is a happy life. It's just as simple as that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I suppose in many respects, Bill, that's why in Robbins's model of you know, the six human needs, contribution is, you know, is the highest because it is around that, you know, we can we can do we can be the best we can be by meeting our own four core needs, and then the the two higher spiritual needs of growth, and then contribution is what it's all about. It, you know, we we leave you know to quote Stephen Covey's Ninth Habit, we leave the world a better place. And through my personal and sort of many diverse uh, life experiences. Uh, I've I've yet to come up with a better reason for living. It's so ingrained with me now, Bill. That uh, you know, going back to when some oh you've gone soft, Paul. Well, f thank heavens I've gone soft. I really appreciate that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I mean, you know, uh, a powerful American president, Robert, Robert F. Kennedy, once said, "The purpose of life is to contribute in some way to making things better." And that and that for me sums it up as very simple and very powerful and just plays on what you've just said absolutely okay bill well um hopefully our conversations provoke one or two thoughts and um you know provided some value and some insights to uh to the listeners and um all that remains me for me now bill is, is to thank you for your time thank you for your input and your insights and for sharing with us before we go bill is there anything that you'd like to do by uh, or say by way of signing off well, I'd just like to thank you, Paul. I think it was a fascinating discussion. Um, I love talking with you. I think you've you've got uh, some some great stuff to share, and uh, I hope that the rest of your your sessions go really well. It sounds like you've got some great people lined up, and I'm very privileged that uh, that that you asked me to be part of it. So thank you very much for that. Um, you know, if, if, if anyone, having listened to what we, we've said, if anyone resonates with some of the stuff that I talked about around, uh, around coaching, um, you might want to look at the New Insights website. Uh, it's, uh, it's a little bit of a long URL, unfortunately. It's uh, www.life-coach-training and then either hyphen UK or hyphen SA.com, depending on whether you're in South Africa or the UK. Um, we, we sell home study programs throughout the world, actually, but we have distributors in the UK and South Africa. Um, and we specialize in home study training because most people who get into life coaching do so uh, after some years of experience, and they're pretty busy at the time. You know, they're either in employment or they're stay-at-home parents or they've got some uh, already got uh, got 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 some uh, self employment going or whatever. So attending workshops and seminars that type of thing is not always that easy. That's why we designed it the way we did. 
But um, yeah, anyway, I, I, uh, once again, thanks very much for uh, making me part of this, Paul. My pleasure, Bill, my pleasure. So all that remains now is for me to say, more importantly, thank you very much to, to you, the listeners. Repeat that I hope you've got some value, some useful insights, some useful tips. And um, until the next time, take care and enjoy life. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Mastering the Game of Life podcast. Drop a line to paul at paullowhearts.com with any thoughts or questions you may have, and he'll be more than happy to respond. Alternatively, check out Paul's website at paullowhearts.com or any of his social media feeds under the same name. Remember, mastering life starts by embracing our hearts.